Are you tired of hearing the same old story about the lack of diversity in the workplace? I know that I am. It's time to shake things up and start looking at accessibility as the missing piece of the puzzle for achieving true inclusion for everyone. In this episode, we're gonna dive into why accessibility is an absolute game changer when it comes to increasing diversity in organizations. I'll be answering your questions and explaining why prioritizing disability inclusion and accessibility is crucial if we wanna create inclusive and neurodiverse workplaces. Hi, I'm Dr. Teresa Haskins, and welcome to Think Differently, the podcast that challenges the status quo and explores the power of neurodiversity to create a more inclusive and accessible world. Together, we will talk about everything from the value of different perspectives to the limitless potential of human beings. We'll explore how embracing differences can lead to endless possibilities and how you can maximize strengths to make a positive impact on the world. So sit back, relax, and join me as we get ready to think differently. Hi, everyone. At the end of the last episode, I said we would discuss the importance of supporting executive functioning and how it isn't a far stretch from our current administrative support setups in corporate America. But we're going to pause on that idea and go to another topic that's been getting a lot of buzz lately. And that's whether accessibility is the missing piece in diversity, equity, and inclusion, or easier said, DEI efforts. There's been quite a bit of debate surrounding whether or not accessibility should even be a part of DEI and how great the need actually is. As someone who talks to many leaders, especially in the HR and organizational development space, I've noticed that the conversation often revolves around increasing diversity in organizations. And that's great to hear. But when pushed to define whom they are targeting to include, the responses usually show that their efforts are focused on addressing gender and racial inequities. But there's little mention of the need to make changes to better support those with disabilities. And this is important because if we're not focused on disability inclusion, then we're probably not addressing accessibility issues too. And without access and accommodations, disability inclusion and neurodiversity cannot be achieved. Without access, there is no opportunity. So we need to remember that for disability inclusion and neurodiversity to be achieved, we need access to reach equitable opportunity, which then can result in the diversity of people and approaches in our organizations. And that means that they are included at all levels, functions, and decision-making throughout the company. The acronym that is being used to describe this today is DEIA, but a better acronym to help leaders appreciate the importance of access and accessibility in the DEI equation is IDEA, because it's a new idea that will transform diversity in your organizations. What I'm saying requires a significant change in how we think about inclusion. We need to debate and discuss this topic. It's good that people are talking about this because if we're talking about it, then we're thinking about it. And this means people care and that will lead people to taking action to address the need. I really wanna challenge you to think about 
whether disability inclusion and accessibility are at the forefront of your planning. And if not, you need to determine why. I want you to start thinking about accessibility in a different way and realize that it's not just about checking boxes to meet ADA requirements and spending money on physical accommodations like ramps and elevators. It's creating a foundation for access to the many diversities that exist in our world and workplaces. When most people think about accessibility, they tend to focus on the physical aspects of it. But we need to start thinking about accessibility as a mindset that needs to be built into all aspects of an organization's plans and designs. We also need to start realizing that people with disabilities are not less intelligent or less capable than others. Yes, they may face barriers to full participation, but it's often because organizations did not consider accessibility when designing their workstations and operations. And while retrofitting and making one-off accommodations for people with disabilities can be done, we could save a lot of time and money if we were not trying to deploy workarounds and instead prioritize addressing accessibility issues from the start. True access is not supporting physical impairments. It's about creating pathways that include people who operate and think differently than you do. If people cannot or will not engage in new ways and ensure others have access to the same opportunities, there is no diversity. There is no inclusion, equity, or belonging. So before we can create accessible workplaces, we need to have an accessible mindset. And that starts with leadership. That starts with you. If you don't include people with disabilities in your diversity and inclusion efforts, your business plans, and your strategies, then you won't plan for or think about accessibility issues. It's really as simple as that. And I will repeatedly say today, accessibility is not just about physical and technological accommodations. Accessibility requires changes in perception, culture, talent management processes, and employee resources. We cannot achieve neurodiversity without addressing the barriers to inclusion from all disability and diversity angles. Neurodivergence is a growing population, and it includes people with autism, ADHD, dyslexia, dyscalculia, dyspraxia, Tourette syndrome. And these constructs also support people with anxiety disorders, PTSD, and other mental health conditions. Everyone deserves equal opportunities to work. And accessibility is about creating an environment where people with neural variances can thrive too. So accessibility is not just about culture or physical and technological accommodations. As I said, it's a mindset and a business strategy that needs to be built into all aspects of an organization, including operations, HR, and business and people management. I understand that there are many questions about accessibility in the workplace, and today we're going to cover some of them to help leaders like you understand why accessibility is so essential for inclusion and why it needs to be made a priority. We'll explore how we can encourage more organizations and their leaders to recognize the importance of accessibility as a means of fostering inclusion. 
So let's dive into these questions now and discuss ways that we can promote accessibility in the workplace. The one question I get quite often is, why do you think accessibility is not usually included in the typical DEI conversations within an organization? To answer this question, I think there are many reasons why disability and accessibility are not a primary focus of DEI today. First off, there's a pretty big misconception out there that including people with disabilities in the workforce is risky. And there are also stigmas about disabilities that negatively impact inclusion. For example, there's this notion that individuals with disabilities can't perform the same tasks or that their disability limits their capabilities, which simply isn't true. There are some leaders that believe disabled people have the right to work, but these same leaders are convinced that those people couldn't be successful at their company. And perhaps they are right. Under the current structure, their workplace may be inaccessible without modification. And because many continue to manage work as they always did before, these stigmas and inaccurate beliefs persist and can lead organizations to prioritize other aspects of diversity inclusion, such as race and gender, over accessibility. Another issue is that many people don't fully understand what accessibility means and why it's so important. When people think of disabilities, they're often focused on the condition and individual accommodations. So they are thinking of individual aligned solutions and only providing support when required and justified as a need. Some people only think about accommodations that apply to individuals with physical disabilities. Like I said, those who use wheelchairs or have visual impairments. The truth is, is they don't know what they don't know. But we know that accessibility needs and requirements go beyond physical changes and resources to modify workstations and workspaces. Individuals, including those with invisible health conditions, developmental disabilities, learning differences, and mental health conditions also need supports that can be universally implemented. But they require changes in management practices, work approach modifications, and differentiation in communications. In some cases, how organizations interpret legal requirements for disability accommodation also impacts how accessible an organization will be. Depending on where you are, laws and regulations may require organizations to provide equal access to their product and services for individuals with disabilities. But if these laws aren't well enforced, many organizations will not meet the requirements. Or they will implement constructs that they feel are reasonable accommodations, but end up ineffective in equalizing access and opportunity. And that's just one challenge, for example, with the Americans with Disabilities Act, is the use of the word reasonable when it comes to the requirement of providing accommodation. The law requires organizations and companies with 15 or more employees to provide reasonable accommodations, but the definition of what is reasonable can vary from one company to another. This variance is due to an ableist undercurrent that assumes some people with disabilities cannot perform the job. However, suppose a person with a disability can do the job with an assistive device or other workplace modification. In that case, they are employable. 
but who decides that it is a reasonable accommodation to make? And therein lies the problem. What we do know is that accommodations are essential for equal access, but they are not always seen that way. Another challenge that impacts employees and organizations regarding accommodation is when an organization says, let us know what you need to be successful. This seemingly helpful statement is actually not very helpful at all. Unless the person knows how the organization operates and what is readily available or not, how will they know what to ask for? How are they to know what gaps will exist in a workplace that need to be addressed for them to succeed? And individuals with disabilities need more than just a one-time offer to communicate their needs. They need a work environment that supports employee differences, a manager willing to listen and work to meet the employee where they are, accommodating processes, and a collaborative approach when setting performance standards. The organization's culture must be accepting and respectful so that variance in communication style or social interactions are understood too. It's the organization's responsibility to create equal access and provide accommodations. The responsibility should not reside with the impacted employee. Finally, implementing accessibility structures can sometimes be challenging as it can require significant changes to infrastructure, technology, and policies, which may be difficult or have costs to implement. However, the types of changes needed for neurodivergent individuals often don't require changes with monetary cost, but rather an investment with managers and peers to learn and accept new ways of working. Even when organizations want to do the right things, they may not always have the expertise or resources to guide them in making these organization-wide changes. There is good news here though, and that is if we recognize the importance of accessibility for creating an inclusive and equitable work environment, we can prioritize accessibility initiatives and proactively make new and existing management and talent processes and systems more accessible to neurodivergent individuals and reduce the need for one-off accommodations and mitigation techniques. By committing to understanding your organization's current accessibility situation and planning to implement more universally accessible constructs, you can take a big step towards promoting a more diverse and inclusive workplace with less effort and considerably less risk. Okay, on to the next question. So one of our listeners asked, how much more innovative and creative would an organization be if its workforce was truly diverse and inclusive? Well, research has actually shown that diverse and inclusive teams can be more innovative and creative, as well as make better decisions and solve problems more effectively. For example, a study published in Harvard Business Review found that diverse teams can better identify errors and process information, leading to higher quality outcomes. But it's not just about the neurodivergent population. Creating inclusive workplaces that support individuals with ADHD, autism, dyslexia, and other neurodivergent conditions can also enhance the creativity and innovation of neurotypical employees and their managers too. In fact, when I studied leaders' management practices to include autistic individuals on their teams, 
I found that the leader's willingness to implement novel approaches resulted in increased motivation and enhanced performance outcomes. And a study by Accenture had similar findings. They learned that when companies prioritize diversity and inclusion, they found the managers to be more innovative and engaged with their employees. What we know is that by increasing access to opportunities and creating inclusive cultures, organizations can tap into a unique talent pool and get unique perspectives that can enhance innovation and creativity. And when leaders prioritize neurodiversity to create these inclusive cultures, they also foster a sense of belonging, and that leads to higher levels of employee engagement, job satisfaction, and retention. This can also enhance the organization's reputation as an employer of choice, leading to increased interest from diverse job seekers. And who wouldn't want to work at a place like that? I know I would. Okay, the next question asks, whether accessibility should be added to DEI as part of HR, or if accessibility and disability services should be a standalone function. I've been thinking about this, and I think it's a tricky question to answer, but it's an important one for all of us to start thinking about because there's so many different perspectives on this issue. On the one hand, some argue that accessibility should be integrated into the larger DEI function that usually sits within HR, as accessibility is a crucial aspect of creating a truly diverse and inclusive workplace. By including accessibility within the larger DEI function, organizations can ensure that accessibility considerations are integrated into all aspects of their diversity and inclusion strategies, from hiring and retention to workplace culture and practices. On the other hand, others argue that accessibility services should be a standalone function, separate from the larger DEIA function. This perspective recognizes that accessibility requires a very unique set of skills and expertise, and that having a dedicated accessibility team can ensure that accommodations and other considerations are given the attention and resources they need. Yet, there are others that believe that DEI and accessibility should reside within the business, that DEIA should not be an HR addition nor a standalone department, but integrated into the DNA of the business. I agree that for diversity, access, and inclusion to be fully realized, it must be integrated into every process, approach, change plan, management practice, system configuration, and building and workstation design. For true inclusion, accessibility must be a part of everything we do. However, I realize that not all organizations are at the same level of maturity and readiness on the inclusion spectrum. Therefore, the best approach to becoming a more accessible, neurodiverse, and disability-inclusive workplace would depend on the specific needs and goals of the organization, as well as the size and structure of the company. We have to remember diversity is a long game. And in a marathon, we need to make steady progress toward our desired future state and take it one step at a time. So regardless of where accessibility and disability inclusion services sit within the organization, 
What I think that matters most is that accessibility considerations are integrated into all aspects of the organization's diversity inclusion strategies, and that there is a culture of inclusion and support for individuals with disabilities and neurodivergence. Okay, the last question for today is the one I get the most often, and that is, how can organizations make their workplace more accessible for people who are neurodiverse? And are there any specific steps that they can take to create a more inclusive environment? When it comes to creating an accessible workplace for neurodivergent individuals, there are several steps that organizations can take to ensure that a welcoming and supportive environment exists. It's important to understand that everyone processes information and interacts with the world differently, and accommodating these differences can help to promote inclusion and diversity within your workplace. So there are a few strategies that organizations can implement right now to create a more neurodiverse and accessible place. So first, provide some education and training to employees on neurodiversity and the different ways in which people process information and communicate. This can help to raise awareness and reduce stigma and discrimination towards individuals with neurodivergent traits. Next, offer accommodations such as assistive technology, flexible work arrangements, and sensory-friendly workplaces to meet the diverse needs of neurodivergent individuals. It's also important to foster a supportive environment that focuses on strengths and values new perspectives. This can mean advocating for a culture of respect, rewarding teamwork and collaboration, encouraging open and direct communication, and offering continuous professional development and growth opportunities. In terms of communication, we do need to make sure that we provide clear and concise messaging that is easy to understand and avoid jargon and metaphors. This can be especially important for individuals with language processing differences. Additionally, offering mentoring or advocacy resources to help neurodivergent individuals navigate the workplace and difficult conversations helps bridge differences and support more effective discussions. It also gives employers better insight on the employee's needs too. Lastly, it's essential to review our workplace policies and procedures to ensure that they're inclusive to neurodivergent individuals. This can include policies and processes related to recruitment, training, performance management, and employee engagement, as employee success is impacted by all these areas. I am confident that if organizations implement these types of strategies, they will create an organization that is more neurodiverse ready and accessible to all. Okay, everyone, we covered a lot of ground today. And one thing is clear. At the end of the day, people with disabilities deserve the same opportunities as everyone else. If they cannot engage effectively to showcase their skills and potential, they cannot fully participate in the workplace. And this is where accessibility comes in. As I said, accessibility is not just about physical accommodations. It's about creating an inclusive mindset and environment that allows everyone to participate fully. It's not enough for organizations to say they promote diversity and inclusion if they do not include disability in their efforts. It's time for companies to invest the necessary money and effort to address disability inclusion, just as they do for race and gender equity issues today. So for now, 
If you see something, say something. If you see that variance is an exclusionary factor on your team, raise it. Focus on access. Watch for potential and keep supporting diverse ways of being. And if you're ready to take action, connect with me. I'm here and ready to help. Thank you for listening to this episode of Think Differently. I hope you found our discussion today insightful and thought-provoking. I want to thank AudioWorks Studios for their exceptional production and recording support. Without their expertise and dedication, this podcast would not be possible. If you enjoyed this episode, we encourage you to share it with others. Your support helps us to reach new audiences and promote neurodiversity in our world. Also, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite platform so that you can stay up to date on the latest episodes. We look forward to seeing you again soon on Think Differently.